tonight, I'm going to preach this message, and it's not like go out there and change the world. It's not like come on, do this, that, and the other. But it's dead simple, and it's dead soft. But I'm saying it with love because it is something that I believe is very powerful, and it is something that, on a whole, I do not see in most Christians today, which is shocking. Um, And it's scary, and I I certainly do not see this amongst the youth, but when I talk to people in my connect group, I do not see this either. Uh, And this is something that I think is kind of shocking, really, because it's so powerful. And and I'm taking everything that I'm saying from this verse, Luke 5.16, and it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's that simple. And I've titled this message, I am alone, but it's okay. (laughs) I am alone, but it's okay. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And when I look at the youth of um, this nation on a whole, I'm afraid that sadly sometimes I don't see a, a group of young people who are hungry and thirsty to go and withdraw and spend time with God. I, I do see a, uh, a generation of people who are addicted to social media and addicted to the, the, the pleasing of other people and, of, um, you know, and, and this kind of stuff. And you know what? I'm on the cusp of that generation as well, that the internet was around in my youth. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm talking to my generation as well, but I do not see a group of people who often withdraw to lonely places. Do you know why? Because I think that we have this fear of being alone. <laughs> we, 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 we often have this fear of being alone. As a child, I was very scared to be on my own, and I would never let mum and dad out the house without me, even as a teenager when it was getting to the age where you can be left on your own, I didn't want to be left on my own. I I was quite happy with mum and dad that, you know, you know when you kind of hear noises, (laughs) anyone with me there, when you hear noises and you're like, what is that noise? Like, you know, is it a monster? Is it like, uh, you know, definitely a serial killer? And, you know, my my next door neighbour was a bit weird. Okay, um, he, he was a bit odd. Uh, he ended up in prison. And I, um, I was always scared to be left alone with him. Uh, not that they ever left me in his care, but he, he was close enough that he could come round. And, you know, I had all these fears that I didn't want to be alone. And it was only as I grew up that I actually began to relish being alone. Uh, and I think that some of us, we, we kind of don't like being alone because it's kind of sometimes feels a bit scary. You feel a bit vulnerable. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who might turn up when you're alone. But this is something that Jesus often did. And I think that if Jesus often did it, then it's worth looking at tonight. And I'm going to give many examples of Jesus often um, withdrawing to lonely places. Um, and he, maybe a couple of years ago, I, I found, has anyone, anyone, does everyone understand the two words, introvert, extrovert? Yeah. <laughs> you don't, do. No. All right. An extrovert is someone who, who would be perceived as loud and outgoing and loves parties, party animal there. You know, um, everyone's always around them. They love to be with people. And an extrovert, an introvert is someone who quite likes to be on their own and quite likes their own company and loves to spend time. And I realized after many years that I 
certainly had introvert tendencies, which may surprise you. You may say, how can you be an introvert and get up here and do what you do? Well, the simple answer is I'm in control up here. You know, it's my choice to stand up here and I feel completely in control. Put me in a crowded room full of people, not so in control. Put, put me in a room, put me in a party atmosphere. Do you know what I will do? I'll find someone like Harry who also is quite happy to come and sit in a corner with me, and we will sit in a corner, and we will not talk to anyone else. And for some people, that, that's a bit of an issue. They don't, they don't get that. Why? Well, you just came and you just sat by yourself. Yes, but that's what I was comfortable doing. I'm not very good with small talk, certainly not very good. You wouldn't want me on the welcome team because I'd just avoid talking to anyone who was new. If any of you guys have come through from Elevate in my time, you probably realize that I probably didn't speak to you for the first like three, four weeks of your coming, mainly because I'm shy towards new people. And it's only when I grow to know people that I'm actually good. Which, it, so I have this introvert side of me. And you know what the introvert side of you is? What everyone tries to fix. We, we celebrate if you're an extrovert, if you're the party animal, if you're very busy on this, that, and the other, we celebrate that, and that's the sort of people that we think, oh, they should be on the stage. They're great at talking to people. They're great at this. They're great at that. But you know what, tonight I want to celebrate and I want to rally up the introvert inside of you, the quietness. Because you see what, what, what introverts do that extroverts don't is spend time on their own, is like to spend time on their own. And you know, if you're to grow in a relationship with God, you're going to have to sometimes lose people. You're sometimes going to have to switch the phone off and you're going to have to say, I am alone, but it's okay. Jesus withdrew to lonely places. That he, he, do you know why? Because he, he saw there was something vital in being able to kind of just take time with yourself, just to check yourself, just to, you know, Jesus came to heal the sick. He didn't come to be sick. And he knew that if he spent all this time around people all the time in this kind of high pressure, everyone wants a bit of him, then he would become sick. But what he did was took himself out of the situation prayed, got himself ready, and then came back. You know, that before we started this meeting today, um, and before I start any meeting and any part in my day, I have to go off by myself. It, it sounds ridiculous, but um, I, I have to do it. We, we'd been at church working all day, and, um, and I, I said to Alexa, well, I'll see you later, because I, I just need to be by myself. I just... I just have to do that. And, you know, I looked a bit through this, but, you know, I just sat. I just sat. And, you know, when I came back from 35, 40 minutes on my own, I felt completely different. And I will do that before every Elevate meeting. The, the, I will leave the busyness of this, and I will withdraw to a lonely place. And that is why I have wrote so many messages that you, you hear me speak in a lonely place in my car. I will sit in my car on my own and, or I will go and I will walk and I will sit and I will write. And do you know why? Because I, I, can't, I can't even do it in my bedroom because I, I can't trust myself not to go on, my com not to go on um, the internet or whatever. So I'll go somewhere where, you know, there's only GPRS and which isn't good for loading anything. So you might as well not bother and I'll spend time with God. But I think sometimes we, we, we celebrate this outgoing um, this, this sort of popularity, everyone wants to be around you. And whereas the extrovert, the introverts are the people at the party who 
don't like going to the party and kind of feel a bit awkward and no one understands and they're like, oh, come on, why do you have to be so serious? Why do you have to, why can't you lighten up? Anyone ever been there? You know, I spent most of my time realizing that I wasn't, I, I spent four years of my life probably going to parties where I shouldn't have been at and I've realized that now. But a lot of that time realizing, why don't I fit in? Why don't I fit in? Because on one level, I'm Ed, everyone loves Ed, but on the other, I hate this. I hate this. This just isn't me. You know, if, if I'm in control of the situation, it's okay. If someone takes, if I say to someone, hey, do you want to go out for a coffee? That's fine. But put me in a party at someone's house with people I don't know or uh, something. I am not in control of that situation, and I do not feel okay. And, and it was only learning that I was trying to be someone that I was never made to be by going to all these parties and trying to be this person. And it was only when I became happy with who I was and began to withdraw and then began to spend my time with God that I began to grow. And my challenge for us today is that we, we begin to withdraw, not so as we become unsociable and don't talk to anyone, but so as we grow. <laughs> because there's a, there's a fine balance. You, I don't think anyone would ever say I was antisocial. You probably all don't think I'm an introvert, but if you see how I actually live my day-in, day-out life, that you'd be amazed how much time I will need to spend by myself. Um, so, you know, what, what can be in alone change? I think it can change your perspective in, in a big way that, you know, when you take yourself out of the busyness of a situation and you go and think about it, it's amazing the difference that that can, that can make to a situation. And I know that that sometimes isn't always good because I think sometimes you can go away and think about it and be really hard on yourself when, when you're like, when everyone else is like, you did great. And you, you go away and you proper beat yourself up about it. But if you actually go away and did what Jesus did, Jesus withdrew often and prayed. If you just go and just spend a few minutes with God and just say, you know, God, I just give you this part of my day. God, I just thank you for today. God, won't you just give me the best evening or, you know, let's do what you want to do tonight. It's amazing the difference that that will make to your life. That it's in alone time that you're able to dream with God. You can't, you can't do that whilst you're on Snapchat or when you're, um, you know, on Facebook or when you're on Instagram or when you're searching for more followers or, you, you, you know, you're trying to get as many likes as, I don't know, and all of this kind of thing that, you know, I think we spend so much time on stuff that, do you know what, in six months no one will care about? And do you know what we do? We neglect ourselves. And that is one thing that Jesus was very keen on not doing, was neglecting himself, that he would always make sure in the busyness of the day that he would go and spend time with God. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? Does this make sense? I think, you know, it, it isn't the most glamorous message I've ever preached. It, those of you who've seen me loads of times, I never use notes. Tonight I've got four pages of notes. I'm not even on the first one yet. <laughs> but no, I'm doing a Will Patterson here. Um, but you know what I see so strange that Jesus often withdrew. You know, if you read your Bible, Jesus didn't often raise the dead. He didn't often walk on water and all these things that we celebrate. But you know what he often did? He often withdrew. Uh, and I think that this guy, his ministry started when he was 30 years old. 30 years old. He died when he was 33. Pressure's on. In three years, he's got to save the world. 
He's got to reach as many people. He's going to make sure that once he dies, that that gospel is spread around the world. He has three years, and in that time, he makes time to be by himself. That that is how much he valued being with God. That, that, you know, he had three years, and if it was me, I'd be saying, I can't stop, I can't stop. You know, I've got to do this, got to do this. If, if that was many of us in here today that we'd have thought, well, there's so much to do, but Jesus... He knew that if he was going to do this, then he was going to have to look after himself. And sometimes you just need to stand on a hilltop and breathe in God. It's that simple. You know, if if any of you have just ever taken a walk, and we've had loads of nice sunsets recently, and, you know, it's one thing looking out them of a car window, or it's one thing looking out them out your bedroom window. But if you just take a walk and just look in, and, you know, you can't help but breathe in God. God, and just saying, wow, wow, you know, God of all wonder, of all creation, that this is awesome. And I've wrote this little note here, it says, the day you were born was the last day God had you all to himself. The day you were born was the last day God had you all to himself. Do you know why? Because ever since that day, You've been entrusted to parents or to guardians, to postcodes, to cultures, and every single person, you know, to school, to whatever, and everyone is trying to make you their version of you. And in the busyness of that, you very easily lose yourself, and that's why I spent many of my teenage years having lost myself, trying to be everyone's version of Ed. And it was only when I began to take my time out of that that God be able to say, no, this is who you are. And you'll never learn that from someone else's suggestion. You'll never learn that from someone else's compliment, that you, you have to go to the most high God. And that, that, is, that is something that I just want to compel us to do today, that in the, the busyness of life and in the, the midst of all drama, just to go and spend time with God. And here's just some examples from, from Jesus' own life and various things, that in the midst of temptation, many of you in here may have temptations of different sorts. And, uh, you know, men and women, we all all get tempted to do things that we know are not good. We have a choice in that moment what to do. And, you know, I am no way a perfect person at all. And, you know, I, I still crumble, as it were, and I still mess up and I still do stupid things. Um, but you know what? The more time that you withdraw the more time you gain strength. And it's often when you find yourself that you're not withdrawing, that you are easily tempted and give in to temptation because you're spending all your time thinking about temptation, no time spent with God. And here's just one that Jesus, Matthew 4, 1 and 2, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by God. So Jesus has gone off by himself and is being tempted by the devil. And just a little, it says here, Then Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I mean, that's no shock there, is it? You know, any of you ever gone 40 days or nights without food? I'd be a bit peckish. But however, the point I make here is that it's the alone time with God that gave him the strength to resist his temptation. And do you know how he fought it off? Every time the devil said something to him, he would quote the Bible right back at him. You know, the devil would say, well, doesn't it say this? And then he'd say, eh, 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 Trump this. You know that you can trash talk the devil? 
I think there's something that we maybe don't ever think about, but you know, we can trash talk the devil. That you know, if you if you look all through the Bible, that the, the, there's people who have trash talked the enemy. That you know, the, you've got this guy David who's like 16 years old, like barely any armpit hair and everything, and he's like, "Oh, come on," you know, to this big giant. He says, "You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of." Um, the Lord, the army of the, the Lord of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he just trash talks him. And you know, that you need to learn that you can trash talk the devil. How do you trash talk the devil? How can you cut the devil? You can cut the devil with something that is sharper than a double-edged sword, and that is the Bible. That if, if, you, if you begin to just throw scriptures at him, that, you know, the devil will throw something into your head of, you are this, you are not this, you are this, you cannot do this, you are not. And if you, if you begin to learn your Bible, you'll be able to say, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> but what we don't, and that's what Jesus did. That's how he resisted sin. Because he gained strength. Another, before making decisions, this is in Luke 6, um, 12, to, 12 to 13. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated as apostles. So there, Jesus has to make this big decision of who is going to be his 12 disciples. And do you know what he does? He doesn't flap about it. He doesn't draw up graphs of who be the best. And, you know, well, Judas will let me down. And he's a bit dodgy with money and stuff like that. What, what he did was he went up and prayed. <laughs> he took himself away from the situation and prayed. And, and maybe the, this time in your life when you're going through different, you know, what am I going to do in a year's time? Do I go to college? Do I leave? Do I do this? Have I got a year out? Do I do whatever this? What did Jesus do? Jesus took himself away and prayed. And it's amazing when you will, if you will take yourself away and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Where's the next step for me? It, you know, I can pretty much guarantee it won't come audibly, but you will know you, there'll be things that start to happen. There'll be doors that begin to open and doors that begin to close, and, and you will be led to where God wants you to be. Another one here, after the death of a friend. Um, G, is, uh, there's a guy called John the Baptist, who was beheaded, which is not a very nice way to die, um, but he was baptized, and it says, when Jesus heard the news of what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You know, I think sometimes when things go wrong in our life and when we are hurting, it's easy to go away from God. But if we use Jesus as an example of the, the only person ever worthy of being preached on this platform is Jesus. And if we're going to... Use him as an example. When things go wrong in his life, he withdrew to a solitary place and prayed. And I, I just think that that is a challenge for me as well because so often we panic. What are we going to do? Who are we going to talk to? We're going to seek advice from a friend. And the friend says, oh, you should do this. And that's like the worst advice ever. Oh, do you know what you should do? You should just go and get drunk. Just go and get smashed. That will really help. Or, you know, you should just um, like, oh, well... <laughs> could give some examples I won't um, but you know the death of a friend that is what Jesus did this other one pressure with popularity <laughs> something that maybe some of you guys feel at the moment but 
This is straight after John the Baptist has, has died and Jesus has withdrawn to this solitary place. And you know he's bothered by the crowd. You know that sometimes when we're trying to spend time with God and we're trying to be close to God, it's, it's amazing who will come knocking on the door and it's amazing who will come and text you and it's amazing who will want to spend time with you and who will want to distract you away from God. And you know, they're, they're knocking on the door and they say, you know, they're following Jesus and they won't leave him alone. And, and do you know what Jesus, it says that he goes and he, he heals these people. And I think that that's amazing. And you know, that sometimes we do have to put our own time aside to go and help someone else but it's a fine line between being distracted by someone else and helping someone else and Jesus goes and he he heals these people he um and you know he goes he heals it says he heals the sick and then the crowd are hungry he's got that many people following him that one minute he's on his own the next he's got 5,000 people that want feeding behind him that's crazy and do you know what Jesus does? He goes and makes food for all these people so as no one is hungry. And then what does it say? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. So Jesus literally comes from, comes from this guy who's just died and he's mourning, spending time with God, goes, heals these people, feeds 5,000 people plus women and children. And then do you know what he does? He goes and withdraws to a solitary place. Because like I said before, Jesus did, came to heal the sick, not to become sick. And he, he saw so much the importance of getting out of the way. Uh, and I just think that is such a, a picture because... He's dealing with the pressure of being wanted and the pressure of being popular. And maybe some of you at school or at college or whatever have this kind of everyone wants a piece of you. But you know who needs to have all of you? Jesus. And other people have what's left. You know, but you know who has to have the first priority in your life? Jesus. Before, and then this is a similar thing, he's in high demand. Um, this was after healing a man with leprosy. So he's just healed someone of leprosy. Um, and it says, yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and he, um, and he healed um, all of their diseases and then it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So again, we, we see Jesus in the height of his ministry doing all this amazing work, but again, just choosing to step away from it all. And before significance of events, anyone got, you know, a significant event could be your exam results. It, it could be learning to drive. It, it could be um, your parents splitting up. I guess that is a significant event. It could be um, the end of something. It, it could be, I don't know. Significant events can take any different forms, but they are milestone events in your life. And before Jesus has a significant event in his life, he decides to pray. And he, he takes two friends with him, three friends, James, John, and Peter with him. And they go up onto this hillside and pray. And, you know, that, that is another thing that, See who's around you. <laughs> who, who, do you. Who do you let into your inner circle that has influence over your life? Because I, I, I think that if we take Jesus as an example, he had 12 apostles, he had 12 disciples, but he pulled three of them to one side. 
and said, you come with me and pray. Because sometimes we'll, you know, we have opinions to, from every single person. We, you know, we're talking to like 15 different people on Facebook about our one problem. I would say that that's stupid and unhealthy. Find two, three people that you really trust and tell them in confidence. And say, won't you help me? You know, non-Christians can give great advice as well as Christians, by the way. But just find three people that you can trust. Three people who are going to build you up. Three people who are going to want the best for you. Because so, so, some people will give you advice, but secretly it's because they like the guy that you like. And so, you know, and, and that's what happens. In, if you're stupid enough to talk to 15, 16 different people about your one problem, then, like I said, you're stupid. <laughs> End of. But here we have, it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of... Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So John is the brother of James. And led them <clears throat> up on a mountainside by themselves. They're not going to kill them, by the way, don't worry. Um, there, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. This is maybe something that most of you probably don't understand, and you're thinking, what have I just gone on about? This word transfigured main, means basically to shine from within, to come from within, to be shown and you know that this is the one time in the Bible where Jesus is shown in his full glory as the, as the son of God. You know, that this is one time where, and it says that as he stood on that mountainside, that his face shone like the sun. Isn't that amazing? And do you know that it was also dead people were there as well? Elijah and Moses, they're Old Testament, and they're here talking with them. You know, it's amazing you read the Bible and you maybe skim over it or whatever. But if you actually read it and think, eh, what's going on here? But you know what? Before that happened, before that significant moment where the Son of God is revealed in his full glory, he takes time out to go and pray. And before this, before his death, before Jesus died on the cross, he took time out with God. And I'm just going to read this. It's a few it's a few verses, but it says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, along with him. And he, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Here we see a man at his most broken moment. The son of God about to be murdered for the sins of us here, who, who, you know, who sometimes have the arrogance to stand here and say, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? That, that sometimes... We think we have the right to choose when we switch this thing on and off. The Son of God there, his most vulnerable, falls down with his knees before God and says, Father, if there is any other way, is there any other way that this will happen? As he's led, and you know, big tune that, Jordan. Um, as he is led to the cross to die, uh, and I just think that that, is an amazing moment there of just Jesus just taking time out, took 
three people with him. And I don't know, it's, it's just crazy just to think in those moments that he, to see Jesus so vulnerable, I think sometimes we, we, we think that he, that we forget that he was fully human. And we kind of forget that, that he, he, he wasn't much different to us in some senses, that he'd have felt what you felt. He'd have had the same decisions to make as you have to make. He'd have had the same inward battles as you have to make. And surely that just makes it all the more want to draw closer to him. Because he isn't some distant God. He's a God who understands. This is, this is someone who, who knows that he's going to be murdered and doesn't want to go. But goes anyway. Why? So as he could have... So as we could have life and life is all this fullness. And if that shouldn't shake gratitude to your core and thankfulness, then I don't know what is going to get through, really. But this final thing, I've nearly finished. Um, I'm just going to read this. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. It says this. I know this is very different to how I normally talk. And I hope, is anyone getting anything out of this? I hope so, because... You know, this is me at my most vulnerable tonight. I'm, I'm you know, I, I, said, I said today when I was planning this, I said I've got more Bible verses in there than I think I've ever seen. I feel like Harry Gaines. <laughs> but I think it's, it's so important to kind of back up what you're saying with the Bible and kind of see that. And um, th- This is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 8. <clears throat> it's called A Time for Everything. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the, the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build again. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Do you know what? This this tells me that life is full of stuff. (laughs) And that, you know, there will be Amongst all of our life, these different things that go on and a time for this and a a time for that. And I don't know which season you find yourself in, the season of love or the season of hate or the the season of embrace or the season of refrain or the, the season of weeping or the season of laughing. But do you know what? If you're able to get through these different times in your life, it is built on a strong relationship with Jesus. And that comes from what? Withdrawing yourself and praying. So this is just three different little tips that I reckon, suggestions that I think, if, if you'd be challenged to spend some time with God on your own as you leave this place, so you, you will get, is you will gain strength. Psalm 33, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me of all my fears. I don't know if anyone wants to be delivered of all their fears in this room tonight. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me of all my fears. You will gain strength. You'll have a greater trust in God. Trust the Lord with all your, your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The more time you spend with God alone, the more you will trust him. The more you will see that he's come through for you in the past 
and he will again. But if you spend no time with him, you get no testimony. <laughs> it's that simple. It doesn't work any other way. Do you, you know when you hear those amazing testimonies uh, of people who have done amazing things and, you know, being healed of this, that, and the other, and of, um, you know, we had no money and suddenly we like, we're rich, but, you know, but kind of, you, you hear there are all these amazing testimonies. You even know where they're found. They're found with someone who gets on their knees and prays. Someone who earnestly seeks God. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the prayer of any person. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You will get greater trust with God. And it says you will have a deeper relationship with him. That is a third and final thing. Sometimes we're going to have to learn to switch things off. Take time out. Take a walk. Unless you make this part of your life, you will struggle. And this is what I want us to do here tonight as, as we've got half an hour. I, I, I want us to just spend a bit of, bit of time and if the band want to come to this stage and um, cheers, cheers brother. I'm going to call you brother. <laughs> you know, if, if um, I just want us to spend a bit of time doing doing exactly what I've just spent the last half an hour talking to you about, which is withdrawing to a lonely place and spending time with God. The, unless you are willing to do this and give God some time, nothing in your life will change. And some of you in here are coming up broken and beat up and hurt and expecting everything on a plate. It starts with withdrawing yourself to a lonely place and praying. So tonight, is, Steve's going to dim these lights down and, you know, there will be words up on the screen, but these guys are just going to lead us in worship. But I want you to withdraw to a lonely place and pray. If, that, if that's cool tonight. And so if you want to get up and we're just going to sing, we're going to probably sing this song through a few times. We'll just let God really move in it. And then we're just going to stick, a, stick some music on and, yeah, yeah, and just go for it. But feel free to withdraw to a lonely place and pray.